Hi there, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Smashing the Ceiling with me, Naomi Mella. On this podcast, we love to showcase the lives of women who have achieved amazing things in their careers, those who've got a really cool or unusual job, and some who have just had a really interesting life. If you're looking for inspiration for your career, if you feel a little stuck or bored with what you're doing right now, or if you're in search of the road less traveled job-wise, then this is the podcast for you. Each week, I sit down with one woman to dig a little deeper into the how of it all. How did they get where they are? How did they pick themselves up when things didn't go right? And how their mentors, mistakes and motivations have led them to achieve the things they have. I'm deeply indebted to all of you who take the time to listen to this podcast. We hit our next big milestone on downloads this week, which was very exciting. So thank you so much for joining our gang. This week's guest, though, Ash Fox, is someone with a rare joie de vivre and enthusiasm for life, whose joy is infectious and whose presence just makes you feel good. She is also an absolute grafter, though, and today tells me the story of how she became New York's first and most successful proposal planner and photographer. Ash herself admits that she is not a wedding kind of girl, but fulfilling people's dreams for their proposal has now meant that she has witnessed over 1,500 couples saying yes, and there hasn't been a no yet. Ash built her business through sheer hard work, and we discussed in detail what it was like graduating college as an art major immediately after the crash, how taking every opportunity that came her way led her to become first a nightclub dancer, then a photographer, and how her lowest ebb inspired her to start her current business. She says that there's always a hundred bucks to be made somewhere in New York City, and I just love that attitude. I genuinely adored this interview and was very inspired by Ash's drive and her ethos on work and life. In all honesty, I think she's much cooler than me, but either way, I came away from the interview feeling like I'd made a new friend. So you've now done over 1,500 proposals, which is an absolutely incredible number. <laughs> it's kind of an insane number for sure, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely insane. I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, your career, et cetera, but also about running your, your business as well. You know, yeah, This is a podcast absolutely. that um, is about women's careers and um, those who have a bit of an unusual job, which you definitely do. <laughs> I um, do. <laughs> Yeah. It's a good one for a dinner party or at a party. Like, what do you do? Oh my god! Oh my gosh! Um, and then I get asked the same questions over and over. Does the the, the most common question I get is, does does she ever say no, or does he ever say no? Um, and the answer to that is no. Thank God they don't say no. They <laughs> always say yes. So I guess the first question is, how did you come up with that idea for for your business? Because it's pretty unique. It's pretty unusual, and it's definitely one of those businesses that. It's quite simple when you think about it, but it's very niche and there's not many other people doing that. It it really is niche. Um, the way that this started, and I mean, I can go way, way back. I don't know how far you want to get to the origin story of how it got started doing what I'm doing. Um, Let's go for the origin story then. Come we'll on go now. to the origin story. <laughs> okay. So we'll start at the very, very beginning. Because the funny thing about this is it was it's sort of an unlikely thing, I feel, for me to be into. Um, cause I never was like that, that, I don't know. I, you know, there's some girls are like wedding girls. They like, just love, they like love the bachelor and the bachelorette. And like, they're just like, maybe they're like, I don't know, in a sorority and they're always like helping their friends with their, um, you know, their engagement parties and this and that. Like they've had their whole entire wedding planned out since they were five years old. <laughs> totally. I am so not that girl. Like I'm not that girl. <laughs> I've never been that girl. Totally. I've been, always been more into, 
I don't know, music and art and I, I don't know. And I've always been kind of um, kind of laid back when it comes to uh, relationships and had more of an idea of like, you know, if I have a life partner one day, that'd be great. Like I wasn't really thinking, you know, been thinking about like weddings or anything like that. Um, but what happened for me was I've always been a creative person, artistic person. And my dream was just one day to have a career where I could use my hands and do something somewhat creative, but be able to, you know, support myself and, and um, have balance in my life. And those were really my only, um, that was, that was my real dream um, and to live in New York. <laughs> and um, so you're not from so New York originally yet. I grew I up take in it. New Jersey, not okay. far away. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. But my grandma lived here my whole, um, you know, my whole life. She lived in the city and she, I would spend these wonderful weekends with her. And she really introduced me to, um, you know, Broadway and, uh, you know, Fifth Avenue and just like all the magic of New York city and the glamor of New York city and the, the culture and art and all that. And, um, it just was my, I was, I always felt like in New York, you could, you know, be whoever you wanted to be. There was, nobody was judging you. You have all kinds of wild people on the streets like people dress however they want to dress and um it's just an amazing place in that way and I, I was very attracted to it and the energy of it because I'm kind of a fast-paced person very high energy I like to get a lot I just I, I like to constantly be doing things and moving around and um yeah so I went to school at NYU I ended up going there and I was an art major and when I was in school, I was in a very conceptual art program that was very much about making serious work about <laughs> ideas. <laughs> not It was not at all a, a, a program based around like, you know, being the next Michelangelo <laughs> like, like, technique whatsoever. It was really about um, uh, refining your ideas and point of view and learning from a lot of um, uh, reading a lot of a lot of, um, art theory and things like that. And anyway, so that was cool. And I was doing that, but when I was in school, I was like, okay, it was, it was, it was, I graduated in 2009 and I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? That was like the worst year. To yeah. It was like right after the crash, no jobs oh, around, like money totally. was terrible, wasn't it? It was just oh, an awful sure. time to be coming out of college. The worst time. And I was like, okay, well, what am I possibly going to do? But while I was in school, the whole time I was in school, I was doing odd jobs. So, okay. so I would just go on Craigslist, spend the whole day on there looking up like any little job I could do, like, um, you know, like maybe like listing a girl's things on eBay or, um, you know, organizing someone's closet or, um, <laughs> making a logo for somebody like a low, low, low budget sort of thing or some different graphic design jobs. Um, I did like a little bit of modeling for like for coats and like, you know, random things like that. I literally would take whatever job was available and I was constantly doing this sort of hustle and it was fun. And I said to myself, you know what, in New York, you can always find a hundred dollars. There's always a hundred dollars to be made every day if you want to go out and find it. Um, I love that attitude. Like that's such a you. great attitude. Like, you know, actually I think a lot of people wouldn't think like that, but if you earn a hundred dollars a day, that's $2,000 a month, you know, and you kind of think, yeah. gosh, that, that came easily you know. Right, right. I mean, if you really, if you really search and just see, you know, what can I do? And I mean, I'm not, these are not, do sometimes it is doing stuff that's a little bit out of the, out of the scope. Like I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't a necessarily a professional graphic designer, but I knew how to use Photoshop and I would send people examples. They'd be like, okay, here, do my little logo for a hundred bucks, you know? So 
I would do things like that. And, um, and yeah, so when I graduated, I remember it was around the time we were graduating. We were sitting in class. It was right when the Bernie, Bernie Madoff scandal had, had broke. And my professor, we were all sitting around looking at my professor and we're like, now what? Like, what are we supposed to do? We all have, we're <laughs> art majors. Like, already we were going to have trouble finding careers. Like, what are we going to do? Just to pause for a second here, in case, like me, you had no idea who Bernie Madoff is. He was a financier whose conviction for a fraud to the estimated tune of $68.4 billion was seen by many as the epitome of the type of greed and behavior that symbolized the 2008 crash and the subsequent global financial crisis. Bernie Madoff is currently serving a 150-year jail sentence. Unsurprisingly, New York in 2009 was not a great place to be looking for a job. And um, he said, well, okay, you've got a couple options. Number one, you can go to Shanghai <laughs> and be an artist in Shanghai because they're hiring American artists. Um, okay, that's one option. Two, you can go live in Bushwick and be a bartender and make your art during the day. I'm like, okay, okay. all right. Yeah. Um, and um, I was waiting for, you know, option for option three, which I thought was like, you know, do something commercial. And that was never, never said. And I, you know, talked to my professors and I was like, hey, you know, I've been doing all these odd jobs. And I also had this um, t-shirt, little, little t-shirt business that I started. And I was, you know, going around to little boutiques and things and selling my t-shirts. And um, when I told them about it, they were like, do not do that. Like that is, that is, you do not want to do that. Like you're an artist, like you don't want to be a sellout. Like, no, that's a waste of your time. You should be focused on your art and, um, you know, trying to get into galleries and all that. And I just, I don't know, like a part of me was always drawn to business somehow. Like, I, I don't know, like a part of me, even though I was an artistic person, um, the idea of just for some reason, the idea of being a bartender, during the day, which there's absolutely nothing wrong with at night. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a fun job for sure. There was nothing um, that didn't appeal, like in making my art during the day, somehow that didn't appeal to me. Like to me, the idea of going out, out and I don't know, hustling different businesses and things like that, somehow that appealed to me. Cause it's kind of a classic stereotype, isn't it? It's like the penniless artist kind of suffering for their art until they get their big break, you know? Totally. Yeah. I was like, am I willing to do that? I don't think so. I don't think I am. <laughs> and then I was thinking about all these like different careers I could do and looking at careers in the arts that might, you know, appeal to me. So I, you know, I interned for all different kinds of people. I interned for a, a fashion stylist and um, I interned once for a photographer. Um, I also interned for, um, uh, I did some production design internships because I thought like that would be a really interesting career to you know work on movies, doing production design. Um, but I was like, okay, well, what's what's going to be the thing? So uh, the whole time going, I was just doing my um, doing my odd jobs. So basically, I ended up um, I was just doing you know work. I was working for a friend of mine who um, needed needed photos, and it was funny. Like he was it's kind of a long story, but anyway, he was a performer and he was doing these kind of high-end photo shoots. And he, and I said to him, I was like, Hey, you know, and they, sometimes he was unhappy with them. So I said to him, Hey, you know, why don't, instead of, you know, paying for a high-end photo shoot, like, how about we just like, what if you just got a camera and we figured out how to use it and we could maybe do our own, our own shoots and like, you know, we could figure it out. And it was just kind of a really funny thing to be thinking because, you know, <laughs> 
like there's such an art to being a photographer and, and training and all that. But it was just, it was just an interesting thing. We were like, all right, let's just, you know, DIY it. So he ended up getting a camera and we just kind of played around together. And then eventually I started photographing. Um, I photographed him and I would photograph his performances. And all of this was done on automatic settings on the camera. Like I didn't know what I was doing. It was basically like we took the camera, we put on automatic and I just played around with it. But through playing around with it, I kind of figured out like composition and, um, you know, just how to catch the moment. Maybe it wasn't caught in the most proper way. Um, but I just learned at least how to, you know, play with the camera, similar to how people now today, you know, everybody has, at that time, everybody didn't have an iPhone, but now everybody has an iPhone. Everyone can kind of like at least learn composition and like, you know, some learn a little bit of lighting, like what, what lighting looks good. And, um, so yeah, I played around and then around that same time I was at a rock show, um, seeing, you know, a friend invited me to go see a band play and I was at the show and I was dancing and I, I love dancing to rock and roll. And, um, this friend came up to me and he was a party promoter slash DJ, like really interesting, cool person. And, um, he was like, Hey, you know, Ash, you're a great dancer. Like, do you want to dance at this new party that I'm starting? amazing yeah I was like well I've got I was like well two questions like how much does it pay and what do I have to wear because I'm not gonna wear like a go-go outfit like I'm like no no it's like no no you've got great style like no like you know just wear what you're wearing it's all good um and then it's and it's gonna be 80 bucks you know for a night and it was like I don't remember it was like from like 11 o'clock to like 4 a.m or something and I'm like I'll take it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take the job. Um, so I ended up doing this job and it was only for one month. It ended up being just like one month of my life, but I did this job dancing at this party every week and it was actually a lot of fun. I had such a great time. <laughs> I was dancing all Super these fun. Yeah, songs. I was going to say, it sounds amazing. It was amazing. I loved it. And, um, and anyway, and was this there choreographed was... dance or did you just like make your own thing up? made my own thing up oh, I was just on a pedestal you know doing my thing dancing the Led Zeppelin Guns and Roses like just living my um 80s you know <laughs> rock and roll dreams like I <laughs> just loved it loved it and um and anyway so there was a girl at that party who was the photographer like the designated like party photographer there this beautiful model um and she was one day she was like oh I'm going to Turkey you know for for modeling so I'm gonna be leaving and so I just jumped at the opportunity. I'm like, wait a minute, I can do that job. I can be the photographer for the party. <laughs> so I asked the guy, you know, my friend running the thing. I'm like, hey, I can take over. And he's like, sure, you're on. Here's the camera. And there was like, I didn't even own my own camera back then. Um, and he handed me this camera and I became the party photographer for this party. And this party was a really pretty cool party. It ended up being like... Um, in a lot of, you know, New York magazines were featuring it as like this like really cool party to come to and a lot of celebrities were there and it was just a really interesting place and wonderful people and one of like one of the best times of my whole life doing this job but I learned pretty much everything I've taught myself how to do photography through doing this job every week um and I just it was I can't even it was just such a wonderful time I met amazing people and I saw there would be like guests that came back every week and you'd see like people fall in love and I would have pictures of their first kiss together and um like these budding relationships it was it was so cool I mean there's all kinds of things I mean there's pictures of people who I mean now it's crazy like many people some people have passed away it's like just the whole experience of it was really 
just, and it's a, the photos are like an interesting time capsule of this special time um, that I was a, got to be a part of. But and where was that party held? Was it somewhere in? Somewhere it was in New cool, York City. Or? Yeah, it was a party. The name of it was Ladyland, and it was at the Hudson Hotel okay. in um, New York City. It was a glamorous, like very cool. Um, I think Ian Traeger designed hotel, lovely, and the people just dressed incredibly for this party. It was like almost like a Studio Fifty Four revival yes, vibe. That's incredible. It was so incredible. Oh, it was so great, and it was the best time ever because I um. I was doing something I like, I really had freedom to kind of experiment and learn because I was learning as I went. Like I did not even know how to use a camera. I just had the settings on automatic. I was playing around. And then as I was doing it in my spare time during the week, I would like try to learn how to do manual settings. And then eventually I was <laughs> able to do manually <laughs> manual settings. Um, and I got myself to a place where I was able to do it. But the thing that was really great for me was at that time in my life, I, you know, I just graduated college and I was just really sampling, testing the waters in so many different areas, um, which was such a blessing rather than just like going straight into some, um, you know, just a a job that we're where where I may, I might get kind of stuck for a while. Like, I I don't know if that's true for everyone, but I thought for myself, it was kind of, I, I, instead I sort of just took the risk to just, like I said, like the hundred dollars a day, (laughs) try to to just do this little hustle instead of um, going somewhere a little bit more stable and just kind of taking the risk. Um, But through it, I was able to really learn what I liked and didn't like through this process because I figured out very quickly, like, I'm not interested in styling. Um, Production design is going to take way too long for me to actually be able to do anything. Um, It'll take me like, till I'm like 50 years old (laughs) to get very far in that world. Um, So I was able to like dabble in different things. But when I, when I got this job doing photography for this party, it was like, all of a sudden, I felt like I found my place um, in something like, hey, okay, I'm getting a good response from this. Whereas like the other things that I did, you know, I could do them, but it wasn't like people were coming to be coming to me saying like, wow, you're the best logo designer. I've yeah. Ever yeah. Had. Yeah. Sure. Sure. But people were coming to me week after week saying, you know, like, wow, like that's, that's like my favorite picture of myself. Like it's now my Facebook profile photo or like, wow, that, that photo just meant so much to us. Like, thank you so much. The thing that really hit, hit for me in that job was you know, you're young, you're, I was, I was young and dabbling in so many different things. And I never, I always was kind of, um, sort of, I never fit into any particular group. I just was always just kind of a a different kind of person. I never was a sports person or I was, I was an artistic person. I guess that's what it was. And when a lot of times artists feel like they're outsiders in some, in some way, but in this world, I really felt like I had a wonderful community there, a very safe, supportive, um, creative, exciting community to be a part of. And I felt so embraced. And I felt like getting the feedback from these people that people were coming up to me like, you know, you're a photographer, like you're an amazing photographer. Um, And it sounds weird to say that out to say that (laughs) on a podcast. I don't mean to call myself that, but they they were, they were saying that to me. And then I started getting on contacted by certain publications saying they wanted to feature my photos 
And um, I got chosen that year as best nightlife photographer in New York City by this um, magazine, this Brooklyn magazine, the Yale magazine, which was a big deal to me. And um, it was like, oh, okay, so I guess this is what I'm meant to do. Like, maybe this is what I'm meant to do. You were like, oh, suddenly I'm a photographer. <laughs> I'm a photographer. Here, here I am. Okay, so that's what I'm, because I was doing, I was also doing videography. I was doing so many different things. And like I said, I was like, oh, okay, so I guess this is the thing that's working for me. Um, you know, it was kind of an unlikely thing that I fell into. Um, and then from there, I said to myself, oh, okay, so what's the next thing for me? So, you know, I was in this like rock and roll community and I, I'm like a big rock and roll fan. I'm like, okay, well maybe I'm going to like work for like a rock and roll magazine. Like maybe I'm going to be like Annie Leibovitz, like when she worked for oh, Rolling yeah. Stone, you know, that was like what I was imagining and dreaming up. And I was thinking, okay, maybe I need, and then I need to get like rep by an agency and all these things. So I was reading different books about, you know, photography and the business and this and that. And, um, one of the books that the book that really had the most impact for me um, was this book by this wonderful guy, Dane Sanders. Um, it's called Fast Track Photographer. It's an amazing book. And there, there's not, there is no fast track, but <laughs> of course there's no fast track. There's no fast uh, track to life, anything right? in life, is there? No, but it's a good title. Yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely. <laughs> it, it catches your eye. Um, but this book really was the thing that made me think a little bit more um, to take a step back and think a little more broadly about like, what is my future going to be? And what are the different types of photographers that I can be? Not, not necessarily genre, but um, with photography careers, you know, there's really two tracks. And one track is the signature brand photographer. And the second track is the freelance photographer. And they're, they're, they're different because one, in one case, a signature brand, you are a entity in and of yourself that people come to because they love what you do specifically and they want to work with you specifically and you do the jobs and that requires, you know, running your own business and um, there's a lot more responsibility there, um, but there's a lot of reward too. Um, the other the other option is the freelance option where you work for someone else who gets you all your who brokers basically all the contracts and gets you your jobs. And you go out, you do the job, you do your photography, and then you go home. And there's no you're not dealing with the headache of um, any of really the business side of things. You're just being a photographer going out there and doing it, um, which was really interesting. And I from everything I read, I was like, wait a minute, I think that I'm like, I think I'd want to be, and at that time I was trying to go into more, you know, freelance. I was, I was freelance. Um, I was like, you know, maybe, maybe the dream for me is to be a signature brand photographer. And then, um, yeah. So then from there I ended up, you know, I was just, I continued trucking along doing the nightlife stuff, which was, which was a complete joy. But then at a certain point, that beautiful party ended um, cause that's just how it is in New York. Nothing great lasts forever, especially in nightlife. <laughs> and that ended and it ended up transitioning where I had to now work in like real nightclubs with like, the like mm, mm, not necessarily the type of nightclubs I would choose to go out to, um, <laughs> but other people like them. Um, but it was a very different crowd and it was a different kind of thing with a lot of, um, a lot of very, uh, you know, inebriated and 
all kinds of I can imagine you know. I can imagine and were you hustling were you like hustling during the day when you were doing these jobs as well Ash like did you have other gigs on like because oh, yeah. I always think about oh, yeah, when yeah, people yeah. are kind of freelancing a cre- in a creative fashion you know I've had friends that have done that and it seems that sometimes if you live in an expensive city like New York or, or London it's hard you know it's really hard to make enough money to live well when you're unless you've got a niche like the one you've obviously developed for yourself now but until you're uh, until you're kind of known and established like was that pretty tough or did you find that work flowed to you quite easily so what I was doing at the time was I didn't say no to anything the whole time I like I wouldn't say no to any job I never said no so I definitely burnt the candle out at both ends I would do I might do like four different jobs in a day. Like I did so many different things all at once. Um, I mean, I did everything from like, I handed out flyers in the street. I did, um, I did a job once where I was like a bathroom attendant for a day. Like what ended up becoming my bread and butter, (laughs) the job that really helped me um, through, we're doing actually like these liquor promotions um, where I would go into liquor stores and I would like pour this vodka and teach people about this vodka brand. And, um, I ended up, ended up being like their top seller. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was like my daytime gig that I did all the time. And thank God for that. I, my whole life was an extremely shy person, very much like kept to myself, very shy, um, not sociable at all. Always had like one or two good friends, but not somebody who really put themselves out there, like didn't go to parties, didn't just kind of stayed home making my little creations and painting and doing collages and stuff by myself. I wasn't a social person at all, even at all in college either. Um, But when I graduated from school, I really realized like, you know, I that that was more where I started to come into become the person I am now, um, which is which is very different in a way because I'm, I'm not scared. I'm not, I'm not scared of people. I couldn't be doing what I'm doing if I was. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, like, so doing funny enough, doing those liquor promotions really forced me to kind of hone um, sales skills and learn how to interact with customers and kind of act in a way like you kind of have, not that it's acting, but in a way you have to kind of like if, especially if you're a very shy person who it doesn't come natural, it doesn't come natural to like be gregarious and open and fun. And, you know, I kind of had to be like, okay, well, I got to tap into that somehow, like outside myself. I call it putting my game face on. Like you have to put your game face on for the clients. You know, when you go to meet the general public, yes. it's like, I'm ready. I love that. Game face. <laughs> Definitely. It's like, well, it's, no, it's, it's, it's it different. Is it's like you do have to kind of put a smile on and, you know, you kind of, get your persona ready to be because that each person that you deal with has to make you have to make them feel that they're the most important person in your life at that time for that snapshot of a moment don't they especially with what you do now like could not be more important with what you do now oh for sure it's all about presence like really being present in the moment and um yeah tapping into your to, to, to those reserves in yourself where you can be you know find your energy you might not be feeling energetic that day, but you have to. Um, yeah, for sure. So at this point, Ash was at a pretty low ebb. What sounds like the coolest party in New York had now wound down. Her skills as a photographer were being put to use, but not in a way she found particularly fulfilling or enjoyable. And she was becoming, quite frankly, somewhat disillusioned. I had a talk with my dad because I was like, oh, I don't know what to do. You know, I really don't like working 
in nightlife anymore. And um, I want to be a freelance photographer, but I don't know if I need an agency or what to do. And my dad was like, you need to do bar mitzvahs and baptisms and weddings. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, I'm thinking like, I'm going to be this like cool Annie Leibowitz, like Mick Rock, rock and roll photographer, you know. (laughs) And now my dad's like, you're going to be, you should do bar mitzvahs and baptisms. I'm like, uh, okay. Like, (laughs) Not what I had in mind, dad. (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. So what ended up happening was at a certain point, I really just got fed up with being out all night and, and dealing with the stuff that goes on in the nightlife. I turned to Craigslist, <laughs> good old Craigslist. And I went on there and there was a woman saying, you know, she needed a um, photographer for a baptism. And I went and I did the job and it was actually very nice. And um, it was, you know, it was great. I, I actually really enjoyed being a part of this family's like important milestone in their life with their new baby. And I just tried to take a similar approach that I took with all the other things I did. Like, you know, an event is an event, like you're capturing people's emotions and expressions and um, you have to have a sense of timing, you know, where to stand, lighting, all that. So I was applying a lot of the same things that I did anyway in, you know, nightlife to the daylight. (laughs) And, um, And then I just kept going with it. And then one day I, there was one, a guy was like, I'm getting engaged. You know, I need, I need somebody. He had it all figured out. You know, I'm going to go to the central, the lake at Central Park. I'm going to take my girl for a rowboat, a little rowboat ride. And I'm going to propose to her on the lake. I just need, you know, a photographer to capture it. And I thought to myself, you know, again, I was too cool for school. I was like, why would you want it? I didn't, of course, I didn't say this to him, but I was thinking like, why would you need this moment photograph? Like, wow, you know, this day and age we're living in, people need photos of everything. Like, can't you just have one private moment? Like, I honestly thought that. <laughs> That's how I thought back then. Um, and um, I went and I did it. And it was very interesting. You know, there was a lot, there was a lot of elements uh, going on because, you know, I had to, I had to somewhat, you know, kind of be hidden. I had a long a telephoto, like a long lens to capture him from far away. And then there was timing element of figuring out exactly when he was going to, you know, row right in front of the bridge. And I had to be there at the right moment to capture it and all that. And to know it's them. And he had to you know turn the boat in the right direction and all that. So it was, it was very interesting. And when I when I was done, I was like, you know what, this is actually an extremely romantic moment and a really special, just, it's just a, a very special milestone for a couple. And to have a photo of it, in a way, it's like even more, more romantic than the wedding, because this is just between them. Um, and they're like, it's kind of, um, you know, they're making this commitment to each other in a they're, they're, this is this is the real commitment right here and then the wedding is kind of like the you know the party and the celebration with friends and family but this is very this is between the two of them um yeah and seeing that I was like you know it just completely blew my mind and um and I loved it and then funny enough the next time I was asked to do a proposal it turned out it was on that same lake <laughs> it was the same okay. concept and so what, it was actually the, the, the guy's mother hired me 
And she's like, this is what you're meant to do. And I feel like I call her like my proposal fairy godmother. Cause she was just like, this is like, you know, again, like it was that similar thing that I had before um, when I was in, you know, doing the rock and roll party where I was like, okay, this, I guess is like, this is my calling. This is what I'm meant to do. And this was like another moment where I was like, okay, I'm getting confirmation from, um, from the universe in a way that like, this is sort of the thing that's clicking where someone's appreciating, like I'm, I'm trying something, but I'm getting confirmation that I am adding value here. Um, where I think right now, especially like this, like it's been a big thing amongst, um, millennials, you know, this idea like follow your dream, um, just whatever it is, just follow it and do it. And if people tell, you, no, you know, keep going, keep doing it. (laughs) But for me, it wasn't like that for me. It was like, try a lot of things and see, try a lot of things that, you know, you don't hate, that, that you enjoy, <laughs> that you're getting some, you know, some, some, that you're able to use your skills and then see what you're getting confirmation, like what people are telling you or, you know, are you adding value or, or you're not, you know, and if you're not, or you're mediocre at something, maybe that's not the thing you're supposed to do. You know, it really snowballed. I started doing more and more proposals because like I said, I was learning so much about the ins and outs and it wasn't, at that point it was beyond photography. It was like, I was really able to coach um, a lot of the guys and help them along. And, and I was able to tell them what I saw, you know, didn't work and what worked <laughs> um, and how to get the best reaction. And I've heard you say that you get some people who come to you with very fixed ideas and they want you to facilitate their plans for them. And other people come to you with kind of a blank slate and say, help, like Ash, you know, I got no idea what I want to do so how do you go about tackling because I guess quite a lot of your job really is logistics of organization so presumably you've got kind of a network of um, contacts within the city that are sort of tried and trusted people and places do you I, I do I do what I do is like you're really working with me through the whole process from um, from you know figuring out you know where you're gonna do it how you're gonna do it um, I photograph everything. I set up everything. So I'm really like a one woman operation. I hire um, here and there. I have freelancers. I have like amazing, you know, musicians that I work with. I have um, people who do video for me. Um, and I do sometimes once in a while, I have an assistant with me just to help me as extra hand. But really, it's all it's me. Like I'm the one consulting with you. I'm the one who's there setting things up. I'm the one who's there with, you know, actually at the proposal overseeing it photographing it and um and yeah so it's I'm really part of this whole experience and uh no it's amazing it's so so rewarding and wonderful and I guess um a couple of like obvious questions have you um what's the craziest proposal that you've had to deal with or that you've managed to pull off I suppose I guess you get probably get a lot of crazy ideas that you gently pull back and say exactly a little bit (laughs) that's really true what's the the craziest one that you've pulled off the craziest one I'm trying to think so we had there's so many and it's usually just the more recent ones that I can think of um I do a lot that are very much like classic romance like you know a beautiful rooftop or a beautiful waterfront or a beautiful park and they're kind of just like almost like New York romantic comedy like movie moment well, like the boating lake in central park is pretty classic isn't it for so, sure like, for sure so classic. yeah 
Definitely. Um, but as far as like crazy and out there, we've done one, I've done some interesting themed ones. So we've done some that are like, I've done one that was, um, bachelor themed, like where it was like the bachelor, like he wanted to like recreate like that kind of scene for her, like tons of red rose petals. And then he's standing with a rose, you know, and that was interesting. Um, I've done, I did like a 50 shades of gray themed one, you know, where he wanted to do a helicopter because she loved that movie. Um, a lot of times like there's, there's references from movies. I thought you were going to tell me that that was like a bondage proposal. Oh my God, can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> that would be really funny, actually. <laughs> that would, hey, I'm down for it. If someone wants to do it. <laughs> oh my God. Definitely be a little bit unusual. <laughs> that would be totally unusual. I love that. No, I, I mean, I've done, I did one where um, the guy, t- you know, the guy wanted to do like a fairy tale proposal for her so we did it like in front of the castle um because she loves like fantasy movies and fairy tales and all that um we've done um you know interesting like wineries and and um apple orchards and uh trying to think so many different things I did a really cool one for a guy who him and his girlfriend they love musicals like they love you know movies and Broadway shows musicals and so he wanted to do one where he was kind of creating like a musical for her and so I'm like not that into, I'm not really into flash mob <laughs> proposals. Like that's okay. not really my style. I kind of like, I like things that are classic, elegant, like just like these beautiful uh, moments that really highlight New York city. I'm, I'm really into that anyway. So um, this guy wanted to do something with, to have like dancers who are danced in like 1930s, forties outfits who are dancing on the waterfront. And then he was going to walk up, and start dancing with her and then do the proposal there to kind of like make a movie that was out of a musical for her, which I just, I love. Wow. I love that. The only wrench in our situation was that it was 10 degrees that day. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that, that's like quite a, that's quite a plan. Like that's oh, a lot yeah. of, I mean, a huge a amount of, of effort, part. amazing effort. Oh, it was, it was, it was a huge, we had to, we had a generator that was on the waterfront which at the last minute wasn't working to play to because we were oh playing goodness. New York, New York by Frank Sinatra. That was the song oh, yeah, he wanted. Course. Cool, cool, cool. But um, but no, that was that was one of the ones that was pretty pretty tricky. It had a lot of moving parts, but it all came together. That's amazing. And I mean, that just sounds like just the kind of most incredible experiences that you're creating for people as well, you know. And how long would it take you to plan? Like, how long in advance do you plan something like that? You know, it can, it, it really, I think that one may have been about, a, it might have been a month or so. New York, you know, it's such a fast paced moving city. So things are constantly shifting and changing in New York. So like, you might be at a park one week and there's a bench right there. And the guy's like, I'm going to propose at this bench. And then the next week, the bench is gone. <laughs> so that's just sort of the way New York is. Um, it's always like, changing. oh, damn, the bench has disappeared. The bench is just gone. Yeah, exactly. So you have to kind of, um, if you do things too far in advance, there's the chance that things are really going to change. And one of the things I love to talk to women about on this podcast is how their failures and mistakes have kind of shaped their career. Have you had anything either earlier on in your career or, or particularly as a proposal planner that you've thought, oh God, I've really mucked that up, but maybe it's something that you've really learned from, Ash? Yeah, no, for sure. So like one of the, one of the, I don't know, if, I guess, I guess, well, one of the failures I had um, early on, um, which, which was a really great lesson in, in a lot of different ways was, um, I think I told you I got 
this great honor when I was started, you know, doing nightlife photography, I got um, chosen as like the best nightlife photographer, one of, one of the best nightlife photographers in this um, magazine, this Brooklyn magazine called the L magazine. It was such an honor. And then they contacted me um, the next after choosing me and they're like, we want you to shoot our holiday party. <laughs> and wow. so I was like, Oh my God, this is so incredible. You know, they're going to pay me and pay me more than like most places would pay me at the time. And, um, I did not own a camera. That's how that's, isn't that funny? I'm, I, I was chosen as best nightlife photographer. I didn't even own my own camera. I was borrowing cameras from people to do whatever jobs I did. So I had been dating this guy and, um, I, well, I had, we had broken up, but I was like, Hey, do you mind? I, I have this big opportunity. Do you think it would be possible if I could borrow one of, he owned some cameras. I'm like, can I borrow a camera from you? And the thing was, is that turned out, I did not know how to use his camera. Oh gosh. I take the camera and I'm like, oh, okay, I'll figure this out. I do the party and none of the, pic- the pictures all come out blurry and horrible. <laughs> oh my God. It was, it was, it was like, I was, I, I was standing there taking pictures and nothing was coming out how I wanted it to come out. Like I'd be, I'd have the perfect moment and I would press the button and it was totally not what I wanted it to be. It was all blurry. And I was like about to like break down right there, but I was like, I can't break down. I need to figure this out. And I just kept going. And at the end of it, I really didn't get, I got like barely anything that was usable. It was horrible. It was just so embarrassing and soul crushing. I was like, what am I doing? You know, but a couple things I learned from this. Number one, you know, it just wasn't, it, I wasn't ready yet uh, to do it. it the, the thing was, I had this job that I had gotten. It was just given to me. I wasn't really a photographer. I became a photographer through the job, but I realized I need to now learn the craft. It's not enough to just be shooting on automatic. I need to know what I'm doing. Um, when I take a picture, I need to know why that's working. I need to understand light. I need to understand um, aperture, shutter speed, ISO. Like I actually need to learn the equipment and I need to get my own equipment <laughs> so that I can practice um, and, and know what I'm doing. So that was one lesson. Um, uh, the other the other lesson was, you know, sometimes... I mean, you really shouldn't take a job if you don't know that you can, you can, you can, you can do it. It was just a small setback, but um, it was definitely embarrassing. Um, but the most important lesson I really learned from the whole thing was that um, I was always, I'm very much a perfectionist and I've been very hard on myself just my whole life. I've always just been, always, I'm like my own, I'm my, my worst critic, I'm very critical of myself in every which way. And when it happened, I thought I was going to like, I thought I was going to want to like, just die. Like I thought I was, when it would happen, I was like, <laughs> this is so embarrassing. I should just like crawl up and like, this is it. This is it for me. Because that's the way that I would generally feel when, when anything embarrassing ever happened to me or anything like that. And, and what ended up happening was I didn't feel like that. I was like, you know what? Wow. This thing happened. It really, really sucks. It's really embarrassing but I'm alive. <laughs> I'm okay. I can learn from this. I can go buy a camera. I can figure out how to use one so that this doesn't happen again. And you know what? Shit's going to happen again. Probably things are going to be out of my control that might happen sometimes. And that's just the chance you take when you put yourself out there and that that's it. And that really was in the end, the most important takeaway that sometimes things happen 
But even if it's your fault, it doesn't mean beat yourself up to the point where now you can't even step back out into the world to try again. It's kind of like, yeah, you got knocked down, you knocked yourself down, but you know, you can get back up and you can learn from it and you can apologize and you can, you know, you can move on. Sometimes just owning a situation like that is is the best way to kind of get people on your side or back on your side you know it's just to say hands up this happened always shit happens I'm really sorry I've made a mistake it's gone horribly oh yes but you know (laughs) it's funny that part of it is the easy part for me I'm a fan of honesty and openness so I'd probably better tell you that we had a minor technical glitch at this point but what Ash went on to say was that she found apologizing to others easy What was more difficult was the self-talk inside her own head, telling her she wasn't good enough, that she couldn't do the job, that she didn't deserve the accolades she had received when she didn't even own a camera. Imposter syndrome is such a big issue for so many people. And if you find yourself feeling this way, remember that you are not alone. How many times have you sat in a meeting or gone to a job interview or even not applied for a job because you didn't think you were worthy? We can all relate. Ash herself isn't married, but towards the end of this conversation, we were having a laugh about the fact that if and when the day does ever come, the person in question would have a significant amount of inspiration available on Ash's social media. Oh my God, for sure. That's the thing. And you know what it is? It's funny too, because I'm I'm dating and I go, I don't like to lead with my job because I don't want to scare, I don't like want to scare these guys into thinking that I'm like, you know, I'm marriage girl. Like, you know, where's my, you know, get my wedding dress right now. Like, I don't, I don't know. So, um, <laughs> maybe just tell them you're a photographer. That's, that's, like... I know it's hard, but it's like, then it's like, it's going to come out at some point, <laughs> but yeah, but the right guy won't be intimidated by that. So no, if they just, all they have to do is stick you into Google and then it's like, Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's actually really funny because when you're on these apps, these dating apps, it asks if you want to link your Instagram. And like, of course, I do not link mine because it's just pictures of couples proposing. <laughs> it's really funny. Oh, my God. I love this. Too funny. A massive thanks for, to Ash for joining me today. Uh, if you're interested in taking a look at her Instagram feed, she is at Ash Fox Proposals and her website is ashfoxphotography.com. Links to the rest of her socials are on the show notes and on her webpage. And if you know anyone that wants to get engaged in New York, Ash is your woman. That's it for today. But as ever, if you've got any comments, suggestions or feedback, do drop me a line because I love to hear from you. Please subscribe if you haven't already and feel free to leave us a nice review on your favorite podcast site as it helps others to find us. More importantly, if you enjoyed it, spread the word as word of mouth is still the most powerful form of advertising. You can follow us on Twitter at Smashing Ceiling and on Instagram at Smashing the Ceiling and we'll hopefully see you next time.